Today's been a day that has blessed all of us, and it's a day of beginnings. Today I want to talk about one of the greatest beginnings in the history of the world. The church is the instrument through which God will complete the mission of Christ Jesus that he established in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Before he left this world, he, in Matthew 28, gifted us with the privilege, yet the responsibility, of moving forth his work in this world. And that's what we are here for. The scripture that I read earlier is a tremendous transitional in the life of all. Yea, the world changed that day. We're at the end of the old covenant, and the birth of the church is the new covenant. And it was established at that time. These 120 believers that were gathered there did not realize what was happening. But in Jesus going to heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, he left with them the greatest gift that we've ever had, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. And guys, I've got to say to the three of you, of all the things your mama's going to pack in your suitcases that you take to school with you, they can't pack the Holy Spirit. That's based upon what you've already done with your life and what you take with you as you go there. And the Holy Spirit will be your guide in so many ways. The Holy Spirit will be your conscience that says to you, stay in your dorm room and study tonight. It will be the conscience that says to you, speak up and speak truth when you look around the room and you're intimidated. It will be the voice that will tell you, pray about this before you make a decision because this decision is a crossroads at which you're standing that may change everything in your future. Every one of us here, at some point in our life, can look back at a time when we should have stood still and we should have prayed and listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. These men were standing at, a, at an event, the Feast of the Pentecost. It was one of the three annual Jewish celebrations when all Jewish men would come to the temple to worship. It was a significant time. Yet God chose that time to begin the greatest relationship that we would ever have. The reality is Jesus not only died and was resurrected for us, but he remained on earth for 40 days, promising to us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we have hope today. There's a story that's told years ago about three prospectors that, that struck a rich vein of gold in California during the rush in the 1870s. They agreed as they went into town to, to place a claim on their prospect there that they had found that none of them would say anything to anybody. That they'd go in and very quietly fill out the paperwork, give them their money, and then go back and lay claim to this rich vein of gold that they found. None of them said anything to anybody. But as they left town, hundreds of people followed them for one evident reason even though they spoke no words of what they had discovered, their faces gave it away. For they literally were glowing in the knowledge and the understanding that they were now rich. I want to tell you three guys something. You take with you something worth more than anything that you'll ever set foot on in school. The buildings, the campus, the endowment, all that is there, none of it holds the value of what you carry within you with the Holy Spirit of God. 
that Holy Spirit will enrich you, not just during your school years, but through the rest of the years of your life. It will give you the strength. It will give you the breadth. It will give you the direction. It will give you the hope. It will give you the encouragement that no one else can offer. There will be times when you may put it behind you. You may forget about it for a little while, but please don't lay it aside and never go back to it because the Holy Spirit will guide you in every way. There's a reason why we are here today. Not just to celebrate that you're graduating. Yes, this is a great milestone. It's one of many you'll accomplish in life. But don't set forth your life from this place away from home without an understanding that the Holy Spirit goes with you. I'm not asking you to be religious before all your friends. You're not to be a zealot. You're not to be arrogant. No, I don't want you to take a Bible with you to your first class other than the Bible you take in your heart. I've always said that heaven is a place where there will be no Bible. This book will not be anywhere in heaven but written on your hearts. Scripture is meaningless as long as it stays within the pages of this leather-bound book. It must be in your life. And I have to apologize to the three of you on behalf of the city of Selma because there are so few good examples of what that means in this city. We want to practice our faith in a realistic way. We don't want our religion to be something we put on a shelf or in a denominational closet and then leave it there. No, it's more than that. I don't want it to be a surprise to people when they read your obituary that you were a member of a church. And, and I'm ashamed to say that's so true. Because some people, their faith does not go with them. I want your faith to go with you. You need it. You go to a school and you will stand before educators there that do not... Not only do they not know God, they hate God. And they're going to try to twist you and guide you and lead you away from truth. Don't follow them. Meet the letter of the law to take the classes and do what you have to do. But don't let your faith be retired. Because that faith will go with you the rest of your life. We're in a dark world today. It's not the world that I came through college in and, and most of your parents. It's very different. They don't respect the country. They don't respect individuals. They just answer for causes. The Holy Spirit of God will guide you in doing what you should do. I want to point out some things to you rather briefly here that's in this passage that's so important. And you three guys, above all, here need to understand this. Number one, the body of Christ began at that time. You don't leave this, this community representing just your family. You represent Christ Jesus. He goes with you. His strength undergirds you. And he will direct you. And he will be that supernatural power that you need. Now, I'll remind you, and I've told this congregation before, I used to pray that prayer. Paul, you probably prayed the same prayer. God helped me to remember during this test what I did not study. Did you ever pray that prayer? I did. It never worked. It never worked. So be diligent in your studies and what you do. Understand that... that what you're going through in that class. You may take a class and you despise that class. That will happen. It'll happen your first semester there. Uh, I can honestly say about every semester I had a class I didn't enjoy. But I always remember what one of my professors told me. He said, Jerry, if you go in there and do your best and you pass the class, you'll never have to look at it again. And then you indulge in the things that you love and you enjoy. Do that. Do your best. Don't set aside that time for studies to be with friends. The friends will always be there. 
your time of studies is very limited. Don't do as one of my best friends did. She said that her four-year degree at Auburn was the best seven years of her life. Don't do that. Make sure that you go and you enjoy it, but make sure that you are diligent and purposeful as you go through. It'll make you happier. We've got, we've got an enemy called Satan, and he loves to mess with our minds. There are people in this room right now that he's messing with. He's encouraging them to, to take their thoughts somewhere else than what this preacher is saying. But the reality is Satan wants to absolutely destroy anybody that's following Christ. He's after us, and he'll come after you. He'll be discouragement when you don't need discouragement. He will make you weak when you need to be strong. The Holy Spirit will give you that strength when you need it, when you need it the most. This passage gives us something else that's so important. The church's purpose is established. And remember, when I say the church, I'm not talking about this building or denomination. I'm not even talking about a collection of churches. I'm talking about people. You are the church. You're the body of Christ. You're the indwelling vessel of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you matter. Buildings come and go. You last forever. There will be an Andrew Thomas there will be a Trey Jones, there, there will be a Wilkes Chittam forever when First Baptist Selma is gone, when the city of Selma doesn't exist, when the state of Alabama is gone, when God burns, destroys this world and remakes it, the three of you will still be here. And what you do matters greatly. Make sure you focus on that. I speak from the voice of many that did not make those decisions. And they travel through life struggling to find hope and help. They, 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 they dug backward to establish a purpose. Establish that now. It is so important. The reality is what God gave them was literally a present help that is always there. And that's what you have even today. But what is amazing at the end of this, and this is what I love, messengers were sent out. Not all of us started out in Selma. Many of us won't end up in Selma. The gospel goes out to the world. It's supposed to be that way. An event happened at the, at the end of Scripture called the Diaspora, or the dispersion. People were scattered. Tough times do not destroy God's people. Tough times establish who God's people really are, number one. But secondly, it pushes them to the limits beyond their comfort zone. And that's what we're called to do. And on top of that, it pushes us to a place we've never been before to serve. Many of us didn't start out here, but God's placed us here. I don't know where the three of you will go. God knows. But I know this, he'll go with you. He'll bless you. And one day we'll be thankful for what we were able to instill within you as friends, encouragers, as those who looked upon you and prayed for you and, and let you know you matter. Remember this, you've reached a milestone, but you're going in the roughest direction you'll ever go because you're opening your mind up for change. Yet you choose each day what you're willing to accept and what you're willing to reject. And there will be things you hear that you need to reject. Never reject the idea that there's a God in heaven that loves you. He is there. 
the vaunted thinkers of our day want to decline the existence of a God. And I can remember in a debate one time with an atheist on the campus of Mercer University in Atlanta, the atheist became so angry and so vehement, he began to shout and beat on the podium. And I calmly thought to myself, how can you be angry at a God that doesn't exist? You see, his anger wasn't because he didn't believe there was a God. His anger was that there was a God and he expected something of them. He expected him to be something in life. God created all of us and we have a purpose. You know, the end of this passage said that each of those 120 gathered there were to be witnesses, and Jesus said, of me. Not witnesses of a denomination or a church or a community of a cultural group. No, not at all. You represent Christ in a realistic way. I want you to live that faith in a mighty way. I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm trying to encourage you to put on that armor that you will need as you go there. It's intimidating to sit in a room full of people that don't believe what you've grown up to believe. It's, 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 and it's beyond understanding that there are people in this world that deny that this world was created by one who understood what he was doing and had a direction. Yet you're going to an institution, wherever it may be, that denies that. They don't deny it because he's not believable. They deny it because he expects them to worship him, and they refuse. They're in open rebellion, and that's the world we live in. A city of rebellion, a state of rebellion, a country of rebellion, and a world of rebellion. Yet you need to walk to the beat of a different drummer. You need to go forward. Wilkes, you of all people understand this because musicians do this neat thing where they, they have this piece they put in their ear and if they have any background music or any the other instruments, they can listen to them directly in their ear and there's nothing to confuse them. In studios, and I, I pastored a church where we had a man that had the best studio in the city of Atlanta for recording music, Alex Cooley. And, and in that studio, they'd pop that in there, and they had a direct line. If you were sitting in there and you had to play an instrument, you heard the voice that you were having to play with and accompany. It was amazing. The thing in your ear that you will wear is the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to Him intently. Learn to, to put out those other voices that will constantly be shouting at you. It will encourage you to walk away from your faith. You don't have to get religious with them. You don't have to, uh, you know, cast out demons or say anything rude to them. You don't have to wave a Bible in front of them. Just follow after that which you know is true. Peter, James, and John were called before the Sanhedrin. And they were told to quit preaching. They didn't quit. They did it in their own way. They said to themselves, we ought to serve God rather than men. It was after that time that the miracles began to happen. And you're going to need a miracle when you're in school. There are going to be times when you're not going to be able to fulfill everything you need to do. You need the Holy Spirit guiding you. I'm looking forward to the blessings in your life. I talked to a graduate that, that was sitting where you're sitting not too many years ago. And he's just made a decision to go into a direction of studies that will set him apart from everybody he's ever known. 
And I asked him how he did that, and, and the encouraging word he gave to me was, he said, I decided to do something beyond what I was comfortable with, something that, that demanded more of me. That's exactly what you're doing. I pray that you'll be willing to do that. Never walk away. Never give up. Never cease to look to heaven for your strength, for that's where it comes from. And he will guide you, and he will bless you. And one day you'll grow old, and you'll look back and be thankful that you were serious about so great a faith. God bless you all. Let us pray. Father, I ask that you would guide us, all of us, to do that which is right in your eyes, not in the world's eyes, but in your eyes. And I pray that we would hear your voice realistically, keenly, firmly, and correctly. And more than that, may we respond to it positively. Not simply pushing it aside or arguing with you, but doing what you've called us to do. Father, may we hear it even now. And Lord, as you launch these three into their future, may we all understand that we have our future to stand before. And we must be obedient to you. As your Holy Spirit calls, may we respond. For we understand that as we respond positively to the calling of the Spirit, things happen that are good. As we say no to the Spirit of God, over time, we don't hear that voice anymore. Not because the voice secedes from us, but because we grow calloused to that voice. And I pray that will never happen. May we be obedient even in this time of invitation. For we pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.